Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome back into a brand new month and a brand new edition of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. I am the somewhat lucid, somewhat capable host. Much need my Tampa Bay Buccaneers to wake up uh, here in the month of November. What has happened? What has happened to the NFC playoff picture where if the playoffs began today, there'd be no Buccaneers, no Packers, no L.A. Rams, the defending champs. That's the truth. The whole truth. What is going on here? Anyway. Uh, we're here to talk about all subjects, but mainly from a sports media standpoint. And we do so with John Lewis, Dr. John Lewis, the purveyor, the owner, the operator. You read him all the time on sportsmediawatch.com. Good to be back with you. How are you? How are things? I'm doing well, you know, uh, start of November, right? Clean slate, new month. Let's hope that that is the case on so many different fronts. Did you survive yeah. Halloween when last we left? When last we talked, we were juggling Halloween candy. How many trick-or-treaters yeah. were going to show up? All good? Yeah, uh, well, we were worried that nobody was going to show up. We had a lot of candy, and uh, nobody nobody wants a ton of candy left over in the house, right? But uh, we ended up getting quite a few. Uh, still too much candy left in the house, but uh, <laughs> take what you can get. And somehow, some way, we had an overstock to hand out, and the, and the twin daughters that I have that are 14 decided, and this is now, a, I guess, a ritual where we're going to decide things at the last minute. They decided on Sunday night that they were going to get costumes and do something for Halloween on Monday night. So they went and collected John more candy, and I'm with you. I got to get it out of the house because I'll be the yep. one that ends up eating it. Uh, but hope everybody uh, did well uh, for Halloween and progressed on, those that chose to partake. We choose to move on. Thank you for finding us, however you've done so. Social media link through John's site, sportsmediawatch.com, uh, or whether or not uh, you are following or subscribing, you should be. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts, look for the Sports Media Watch podcast feed you get great podcasts in addition to ours tremendous content george offman uh the tell me a story i don't know podcast he's featuring a chicago tribune longtime legendary writer and insider in peter sullivan fascinating conversation about peter sullivan who's been covering everything bears cubs bulls white Sox, all of it for the better part of 35 plus years (laughs) hear that conversation on our on our feed as well as mike gill who's in the greater Philadelphia area with the World Series going on, with the Eagles doing well. Mike and Phil DeMont Mullen do a great job on everything. Announcers with the Announcer Schedules podcast. By the way, here's a tease. Mm -hmm. You and I talked to Sean Grandy, the voice of the Boston Celtics. All right, Mike and Phil are slated to talk to Sean as well because I think I I tagged you on social media. I saw this post. I got to hear the story behind Sean calling an MMA fight in Milan, Italy, overnight Saturday night into Sunday morning Eastern time and then flying all night, all day, whatever to get to Boston and work an NBA game on Celtics radio in Boston. That was a tremendous tweet about (laughs) here I am at one point on, uh, on Sunday, the 30th. And here I am later in the day in on another continent at another point, still broadcasting on the same day. So Mike and Phil will have Sean Grandy in addition to all their takes on everything, football, baseball, announcers, all of it. Uh, Sean is with them to talk some Celtics and much more. So, I'm a- John, I'm anxious to hear that story. Oh, well, uh, I mean, it's uh, <laughs> crazy travel, right? But you got you got to really love the job to do it. Welcome like to the that. business. And we got another example of that, by the way, coming up on Love It or Leave It about crazy travel and, and announcing and same, same uh, day with different assignments. Uh, It is a crazy thing. All right. So uh, much to get to. And again, followers, subscribe. We appreciate uh, more and more of you are finding us. Thank you for doing that. Uh, We love the feedback as well. Keep sending that along, but you can help us out the most by rating, reviewing, following, and subscribing. So let's get into it. Speaking of the World Series with the Phillies and the Astros, the series even at one apiece, as we come your way, we release this podcast on Wednesday. John and I do not know what happened Tuesday night where they're expected to get game three in in Philadelphia. Bad weather in advance, postponed things for Monday night. So, John, let's get into the World Series talk, and it's the first time we've had a a rainout in a decade 
in the World Series. So give me some more on this, the ratings, et cetera. Well, you know, uh, viewership is up slightly from last year. Now, that means it's a three-year high because two years ago was the neutral site. So I think you'll take that if you're Fox. The numbers would have been horrible by the standard of four years ago, but it's not four years ago anymore. So by the standards of 2022, these are solid numbers. Nothing to brag about necessarily, but nothing to you know be concerned about either. Uh, uh, 10 point, uh, 10.7 million viewers to 10.8 million for game two on Saturday night. Remember, that's the Saturday night game. Saturday nights are bad. You know, there's potentially going to be two Saturday games in this World Series, much more likely now than not, because it would be game six, not game seven. So, you know, to get 10.8 million for the Saturday game, that's not too bad. I mean, you you know, you can live with that. Uh, I think the schedule change is the big story, though, because now, you know, they moved back every other game in the series, which is totally abnormal. I don't think they've ever done that before. Normally, you would just sacrifice that off day to keep the, the the remaining games on schedule. If for no other reason than if you bought tickets to Game 7 of the World Series on Saturday, and now it's on Sunday, and there was no rain delay that caused it in your city, that's kind of a bum deal. But I think baseball recognizes the necessity of not wasting a Game 7 of the World Series on a Saturday night. And so now they won't have to. It would be on the Sunday and even without an NFL lead in, because you're not going to have that lead in CBS is doubleheader this week, even without an NFL lead in Sunday night world series game, that's going to beat Sunday night football. It'll probably be the least watched game seven of the world series ever. I mean, let's just be real about that, especially right. with the NFL competition, but uh, you're probably getting 17, 18 million viewers and winning that head to head. So that's a good way to go into the off season. Of course, this could end in five, so all that could be moved. But. Very true, because we don't know that the series is split. Could Philadelphia win all three at home? Could Boston, or I'm sorry, could Houston maybe somehow turn things around, win a game, or maybe win them all? You don't know uh, what happens in these matchups. John and I don't know that. As you hear us on Wednesday, you already know what did or didn't happen in game three. I do, I do say this. I, I applaud at least Major League Baseball being proactive from this standpoint, they didn't have everybody come to the ballpark right. uh, on Monday night when they knew what the forecast was. You had alluded to it even on last week's podcast mm -hmm. that the long-range forecast was apparently not good for Monday. As Sunday became Monday, Major League Baseball understood, the teams understood, fans understood that were paying attention. There's a strong likelihood this is getting rained out. So they never tried to start it up. I don't know what Fox went to. Did they go to, like, reruns of The Masked Singer? It was all, wasn't it always like rescue nine one one with William Shatner. They would always show us the reruns. I don't know what That'd they be went their to. highest rated show nowadays. Rescue yeah. one. Yeah, it might it? Yeah. Well, and so uh, I don't know what they went to, but at least they didn't put the fans through that. And hopefully, uh, we can get the rest played. I know a bunch of different. Michael talked more about this on the announcer schedules podcast. I know a bunch of media people and other people that in Philadelphia that are jacked here. Uh, for the chance for them to win the World Series in Philadelphia, really out of nowhere as the third wild card team in the National League with a chance uh, to maybe knock off the Astros and do this. So let's see how we'll go. And we should point out one more time again here, when you're saying 11 million, 12 million, whatever it ends up being, that dominates, dominates anything else on network TV, yeah, double, triple. Absolutely. So in the in the sphere of what's on network TV, live sports and the World Series continuing to do drastically better than yes. anything else that's on. Yes. That, sh Very that should be part of the discussion when you see lowest rated World Series. Because again, yeah. come back around to something you've said on previous podcasts, like the famous 86 Mets Red Sox uh, phenomenal dramatic World Series was being regularly outrated by things on network TV yep. and even did not uh, play on the Thursday night because of must-see TV, NBC, Cosby Show, yep. Cheers, exactly. L.A. Law. Illuminate that again, please, for the audience here. Well, you know, so uh, NBC, for example, in, in 1986, right, the most famous World Series we've seen, and, you know, the Cosby Show still aired on that Thursday night. NBC still aired the Cosby Show. A lot of people might not remember especially with everything that went on the Cosby show was a big deal uh and uh the world series was started at 8 30 and they you know that's kind of wild right it's like well right. we're not 
we're not preempting the Cosby show. So you better have that first pitch at 830 for an all Eastern time zone world series in New York and Boston. Uh, and look, I mean, it's, it's, it's worth noting that the sports ratings from the past, that looks so spectacular were the kind of ratings that you would get for murder. She wrote, obviously, even with that sports can sustain that kind of audience over three hours, and not just a half hour. So there is an advantage there, but the reality of the matter is that, with few exceptions, sports was not drawing dramatically better than anything else. I mean, a game seven might, but you know, the best you could do is maybe you're the top show of the week, but you're not dramatically better than anything else that's on. I mean, you know, let's not forget a hundred million people watched the series finale of MASH in 1983. The most watched World Series game that year had 36 million. You know, so that's incredible to yeah. contemplate, right? And, I mean, and you have uh, and remember the Dallas series with the who shot Jr., which was right around that same time period. I still remember that uh, massively rated and different series that were on uh, would regularly get to your point, 20, 30 million people watching because there were far fewer choices. There was no Internet. There was no streaming. There was no handheld device with a different show on. This is what you were doing for for exactly. entertainment on TV. This is these are the channels you had. People had cable, but by and large, especially in the early to mid 1980s, not everybody had cable. I believe right. I remember in one of my broadcasting classes, and I'm dating myself, John Lewis, from the late 1980s, that cable penetration, like in the first half of the decade of the 80s, was more uh, at a deficit, uh, half as much, half as much as what it was the second half of the 80s, yeah. from like 1986 through 89 or, or 85 to 89 whatever yeah. the distinction would be that. And that makes a big difference on what, what are my choices? ABC, NBC, CBS, there was no Fox or, or public right. broadcasting are my choices of what to watch. Well, I mean, it was a completely different era and even into the nineties and early, into early two thousands, it was still a completely different era. I mean, if you're old enough to remember the experience of watching friends, even on NBC, you would watch it as it aired eight o'clock on Thursday. Right. And so all of that is to say 11 million viewers in this environment, you got 11 million people, at least as estimated by Nielsen, who knows what the actual number is, but you know, you got 11 million people to sit down in their homes or out of their homes on a Saturday night and watch a program as it aired. That's still a powerful thing. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, it's the, you know, these are some of the worst numbers ever for a world series. Very important to keep that in mind. Uh, the, the outside of the last two years, the le the least watched game one and the least watched game two, outside of the past two years. But given everything else, and I think you kind of got to you got to take it right. Of course, and it's live sports compared to what else is on. So I don't, you know, I I've never heard of this site before. Um, I don't know how legit this is. But I just do a quick search. The Nielsen bottom ten. Uh, least watched shows of a week in 1988, according to the website tbobscurities.com. And I, I, I'm just okay. finding this. We're giving, them, we're giving them some pub. Go ahead. All right. Well, this post is from 2016. I don't even know if they're, they're still updating. They are. There's a post from like September, but I, I don't know how frequently it's updated. But anyway, I wanted to point out the least watched shows, the lowest rated. So there was something on ABC the week of. Uh, February 8th to the 14th of 1988 called The Charmings. I've never heard of it before. Mm. And uh, this this show had a 6.3 rating with a nine share, better than both games of the World Series so far, uh, and 9.6 million viewers. And it was dead last, dead last. Wow. And I still remember the Brian Bosworth show on Fox that appeared one episode. I think they showed the pilot was dead last and john i want to say it, it had like a couple of million people watching something like that it only aired and it, it, it was humiliating it was humiliating right. for him and for everybody else but there are primetime shows now that get a million viewers or get two million viewers on or network less. tv i mean or even less. the nwsl final just uh over the weekend it's a big success for the nwsl it's also fewer than a million viewers on network tv you know, but in the era we're in, Fox is getting that number for Welcome to Flash, which probably costs less money, one would think. But who knows? But, mm. you know, I mean, so the reality of the matter is uh, TV has changed and we can only look at the numbers with that 
understood. We, 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 we can't continue to make judgments about sports ratings without that context. Perspective. Yeah. Must keep so, the perspective. I agree. This is from the same website. This is from the week of the 87 World Series. This is the week of the 87 World that Series. That would have been the Kirby Puckett, the late Kirby Puckett right. twins, and the St. Louis Cardinals in that World Series. Yeah, Game 7 of that World Series, uh, 51.2 million viewers mm. in ABC. Right? That's mm. a big number. Even back then, that was a big number. The least watched show of that week uh, was on CBS. It was called Leg Work. I don't know what that is. It had 6.7 million. So, wow. you know, there, there was some pretty big separation from the worst shows back then. Let's see. Let me see what legwork was. I couldn't tell you. And how many episodes did it okay. last even? Francis McDormand and believe it or not, Marissa Tomei. Really? Apparently. How many were they like PIs? Was it like Cagney and Lacey, the sequel there? Cagney and Lacey was big on CBS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. It, was a, it, was a, it was a police procedural. Uh, and this was... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Marissa Tomei was not a regular, according to the Wikipedia. She okay. One episode, or maybe she didn't. Given them a lot of pub, and how many episodes yeah. did it last before they it did? Got uh, they did six, and four did not air. Uh, <laughs> but Francis McDormand was uh, one of the leads. Wow. I guess this must be before Fargo. Of course. Uh, and then Margaret Collin. I don't know who that I don't is. Know that name. Man, She's known for her lots roles. of pub. Lots of pub. Yeah. She's known for As the World Turns, one of the lesser soaps. Give uh, me Charlie's Angels instead of that. Please no. give me some and, Charlie's uh, Angels. Uh, Margaret Collin was also on Gossip Girl, so that would explain why I have no idea. <laughs> Career. Uh, but let me see. What has she but done? Again, say it again. The World Series did what compared to that? Got 50 million to watch a Game 7. And now if it is a Game 7, this is your point, they will do well to have 13 or 14 million on that Sunday night, right? That would be doing no, no. I mean, I, I would have higher expectations than that for that game Good seven, 17, 18. It's game seven. I understand that it's baseball, it's not the Yankees, it's not the Dodgers. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, recent game sevens. What have recent game sevens done as a reference point? Do you have well those over 20 million? Well, over so, 20 million. so that's your reference point. So you would be stunned if it's not 17, 18, 19 million, especially least. on a Sunday night. If it was a Saturday night, you know, who knows? But on a right. Sunday night, it's still Sunday night. What did you say? Uh, leg work? Is that what you said? Yeah, leg work on CBS. <laughs> I love it. Ten episodes. Right. Some way, some way, somehow, we push on, and we have to segue off of that. Let's go back. Speaking of Saturday nights, college football and NFL weekend. Uh, Tennessee did a demolition job on uh, Kentucky for the yeah. the Saturday night ESPN game. The ABC game was Michigan defeating Michigan State, which is now known more for the controversy in the tunnel. Involving yeah. the brawl with the Michigan State players ganging up on the one Michigan player, and there may even end up being criminal charges filed. Four Michigan State players are now suspended for their part in that. Michigan won that game decisively. John, I know you've got the ratings reference, and it's in and around that that the World Series was also taking place. What about that for Saturday? Well, I actually have not seen the Saturday night numbers for college football. I can tell you that Ohio State, uh, Penn State was at uh, well over 8 million on Fox, which is a great number, obviously, for that window. I think maybe third or fourth most watched game of the season. Fox is claiming that was the highest rated game of the weekend. Prime time or not was Ohio State, Penn State, Saturday at noon. Yeah, I'm saying it's uh, one of the top ones of the season, though. I mean, I I, I think maybe the third most watched or fourth. Uh, so a great number. Uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, college football is amazingly almost at the end of its season. Uh, we are rapidly approaching the the Thanksgiving, you know, it's November 1st. Thanksgiving is going to be happening in about two and a half minutes and the season will be ending. <laughs> so, you know, look, uh, the numbers are going to start heating up. Uh, Tennessee, Georgia. Oh, Yes. I think that might do better than game six of the world series. They're not going head to head, but they're going to be on the same day. And remember it's in the afternoon. Yep. Alabama LSU that night is the ESPN game in Baton Rouge. Yeah. Well, that doesn't matter anymore. You know, still though, it's going to be a, you would think it's going to be a close game and a battle in a loud environment. Because I'm I'm being a little sarcastic, but I mean, look, uh, we know that LSU is not the team that it was. It's not going to, we've seen some incredible numbers for Bama LSU over the years, and we're not going to see that. 
But what I can tell you is if LSU threatens Bama, like they close did a couple, game, but close they did it last year, right? Last Correct. year. If it's anything like that, you know, that World Series game is going to have some tough competition. Uh, if there been, is one, yeah. and we should keep specifying, the series could be over in five games before you ever get to Saturday and Sunday. But the chances yeah. are there'll be at least a Saturday game. Yeah, I would think. I mean, I'd, I'd be I, – I don't think we're going to, you know – I mean, the, based on the way the first two games went, I, I don't think – even if Philly were to go up 3-1, the Astros, I mean, they've won the final road game of each World Series that they've been in in this era. They won game seven at L.A., they won uh, game five at the Nationals and game five at the Braves. In fact, they are undefeated in game five of the World Series all time because their first World Series, they got swept. So technically, they're undefeated yeah. all time in game five of the World Series. <laughs> so I, I think, I don't think the Astros are going to beat the Phillies three times in a row for sure in Philadelphia, but I don't know that the Phillies can beat them three times in a row. Good point on that. So the college football, and again, that big noon uh, kickoff slot continues to excel. We're going to do a little bit on the love it or leave it about the Big 12 and its new television deal and see what John thinks of that. Let's move over to the NFL. This is interesting because I was part of Thursday night football with the Buccaneers and Ravens last Thursday night, which ends up bumping their numbers back up. You would expect that. Tom Brady, Lamar Jackson. And it, and it brings in an interesting segue for this Thursday. But, John, give us the numbers and the uh, the insight real quick on the Amazon Prime with Brady and the Buccaneers as part of it. Well, it got back up over that uh, back up over that uh, 10 million mark. So, you know, nothing wrong with that. Look, the numbers are not necessarily great. They're better than the expectations I know I had. But objectively, these are every week, the least watched games of the week, you know, unless there's like a London game in the morning. Right. Where Amazon is excelling is in the demo. And the demographic numbers, especially in 18 to 34, are pretty uh, amazing given the overall viewership, the, the disproportionate young audience. I mean, if you're an advertiser, you might actually even prefer that because then, you know, you know, if you're targeting 18 to 34s, you're not wasting, you know, I mean, you're, you're getting a, a bigger proportion of them, right. As opposed to your, your, you know, it's a, a game where, yeah, there's a big 18 to 34 year old audience, but most of the audience is X, Y, or Z that median age that Amazon has, I think is a real benefit. And did the game last Thursday bump on the 18 to 34, even from the previous couple of dreadful games that were there, uh, at least offensively? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think it was back up over a three rating in 1834. Uh, and you, look, I mean, 18 to 49 was half the audience. 18 to 34 was more than 20% of the audience. And you're talking about for the other NFL games, that's 36% and 14%. So if you advertise during Thursday Night Football, you know that you are getting a bigger proportion if you are targeting 18 to 34 of the demographic that you want. So I think that is a, a, a big advantage. And what's interesting for this goal round is the Amazon Prime game is the Eagles playing in yeah. Houston against the Texans. That's been on the schedule, obviously, since April when the NFL uh, put it out, early May, whenever the NFL put it out. And now by a wild twist here, the Major League Baseball season ends yeah. with the Phillies and the Astros from the same cities, although they'll be in Philadelphia for the uh, game five on Thursday night, they'll be showing it at the same time on Fox as Amazon prime will have the uh, Eagles and the Houston Texans each a couple of interesting notes. I believe this is the case. I didn't 1000% verify, but you may have it. Supposedly the local market um, rights are for the Fox station in Philadelphia and in Houston outside of Amazon prime for the football game. Yeah. So what are you, what are you going to do there? I guess it goes to an alternate channel for the world series. If that's the case where the Fox affiliate in Philadelphia and the Fox affiliate in Houston bid for the local broadcast and they will show the football game, the Eagles and the Texans. So, well, I mean, I don't know how that's going to happen. Um, you know, uh, that'll be very interesting. I don't know if the NFL is going to flex its muscle and say, I mean, because if you have a deal with the station, correct, that would seem to supersede whatever the station 
has via the national affiliate, right? Yeah, the there's network. no way. There's no way the Phillies game is not going to air on Big Fox in Philadelphia. There's just no way. Uh, but I, I don't we'll know. See how what alternate plans they make and what they do. I mean, I'll give you an example that in the Tampa Bay market, the Fox affiliate WTVT is the one that bid on the Amazon Prime and showed the game the other night. I don't know what you have for the local Tampa number in your numbers, mm-hmm. but I have to believe. It was a strong rating because Buccaneer football does tremendously well Mm -hmm. um, in the local market here. But I'm just pointing out that was the Fox affiliate that paid extra money to be able to show the local broadcast. They're still showing Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet, and the broadcast of Amazon Prime. They're just showing it on the Fox station. Yeah, I think uh, based on what Bob Vetrone Jr. is saying, it looks like it would be the ABC affiliate. Uh, for philadelphia yeah so we'll see what happens in in houston look it's a it's going to be a very exciting uh day of tv ratings for those of us who care about that stuff uh and look i mean i i think it it's going to be interesting to see those local numbers we don't see local numbers reported much anymore but i think uh, i know i'll have my eyes out Uh, to try to see what those look like. And this is not unprecedented. They've had Thursday night situations, Monday night situations where the World Series is on against um, with the same two teams playing against NFL football in a primetime game in those markets. It's happened numerous times. In fact, even in the the 2000s, it's happened like three or four times. Yeah, but the difference here is because it's on Amazon, it's that local over-the-year simulcast, right? And so, you know, that 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 plays a, a big role. Uh, and, you, you know, even in the uh, in the days where you would have the occasional World Series game go up against Monday Night Football, which also has those local simulcasts, that's Monday Night Football on ESPN. In a lot of cases, uh, the ABC affiliate has that over-the-year simulcast for those games. So, you know, uh, I'm, I, I think it'll be uh, bad for both in terms of the ratings. Obviously, Thursday Night Football is going to get hammered but uh, I think the game is going to suffer much more the World Series game than it would if it was not, you know, that that level of ratings cannibalization is pretty unprecedented, both markets. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Especially, right, especially when it's uh, the Eagles at 7-0. and Yeah, <laughs> the Phillies exactly. in the World Series. It's, it's not even, I mean, if the, if the Eagles weren't any good, nobody would care. Right, but the I would, Texans aren't any good, right. for example, but... But I don't think anyone. Are. I don't think anyone in Houston is going to be like, "Oh, I got to watch this terrible Texans team." <laughs> uh, but in Philadelphia, I mean, I would be curious. I imagine there's more excitement about the Eagles than about the Phillies because Maybe. football is bigger. Football Maybe. is just bigger. Yeah, you're right. Uh, one more reference point to go back to the '86 World Series, and we've talked about this before on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. That the famous Game Six with the ball rolling through Buckner's legs was the Saturday night game of game six game seven was to have been Sunday night. And it would have been after an NFL Sunday on NBC, Dick Enberg, uh, what Merlin Olson, or by that point, it might've been Dick Enberg and Bob Trumpy. I'm not sure. Uh, Dick Enberg and Bill Walsh, even for a couple of years in the late eighties, but 
that was supposed to have been Sunday night. It was rained out in New yeah. York. So instead, they had Game 7 on Monday night on NBC against Monday Night Football, which was the Washington Redskins and the New York Giants. And there were more than there was more than one occasion where inside of the Meadowlands in East Rutherford, New Jersey, where the Giants were playing at Giants Stadium, same place where the Jets play, which is a good, John, 20, 25 miles away from Queens and where the Mets were playing the Red Sox, that the game was disrupted a couple of times. One time, the Redskins false started because the crowd roared when Ray Knight's home run gave the Mets the lead in the late innings of the World Series game. The Redskins with uh, Joe Theismann and company, I think Joe Theismann was still playing for him, maybe not, uh, by 86. I don't know if the broken leg had happened yet, ironically, against the Giants. Anyway, Giants and Redskins were playing at the Meadowlands, and the crowd roared because they had their radios, they had their little one-inch TVs in 1987 and saw the Ray Knight home run, and the Redskins fall started because suddenly 50,000 people went, ah, at the same, at the same time and made them jump. So there's just a reference point back to the 80s. I think I did see that Philadelphia and New York in 2009 played a World Series game uh, against each other, and it went head-to-head -head with Sunday night football of the Giants and the Eagles that were playing that night. So this is not unprecedented that a World Series game, even for the Philadelphia teams, is going head-to-head -head with the NFL while we make reference to that one more time. True, but I will just say, you know, the Eagles being 7-0, and I mean, that, 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 that makes it a little bit different because sure. we're talking about a team that's having an incredible start. So, I mean, like I said, I, I would be curious who has a greater level of excitement because we know the Eagles, every NFL team is more popular than their counterpart in every other sport, except maybe in New York with the Yankees or L.A. with the Lakers. Or, but, you know, I mean, I would be curious if there's more excitement in Philly for the Eagles or the Phillies. I mean, it seems crazy to suggest otherwise that it wouldn't be the Phillies, but, you know. Next subject up involves some controversy and Kyrie Irving. And now we should say, as we are uh, taping the podcast here, the news has come out that Steve Nash is out, whether he was fired or whether he has just thrown his hands up and said, I do not want to be involved with this circus anymore away from the court and everything that's gone on with the start of the Brooklyn Nets season. So he's no longer the coach. This comes on the heels of the Kyrie Irving controversy where I guess the best way to describe it, John, he has been socially endorsing a movie with tropes about Jews and, uh, and, and anti-Semitic stuff. This caused a controversy over the weekend where he was asked about it after, after a game and, and tried to defend it in some ways and then tried to deflect off of it. He has since taken the social media post and promotion down. Uh, interesting further that the Nets owner, Joe Sy, if that's how you pronounce it correctly, I believe that's how you pronounce it, he condemned Kyrie Irving. The league has not condemned him, though, to this point, which is interesting. Hasn't put a statement out, at least as you and I release the podcast. All right, John, so the coach is now gone. More controversy with Kyrie Irving. How it's being covered, we're interested, too, in yeah. the sports media watch landscape. What are your thoughts on this? Well, you know, look, the Kyrie circumstance has been leading to something like this for a while. I'm not going to be one of those people who says Kyrie is stupid or a buffoon or anything like that. One, I think people are way too quick to call black athletes stupid. Even uh, even black people are way too quick to do that. Uh, and two, I just you got into Duke, by the way. Continue on. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, that doesn't quite say much given the basketball aspect of it. But, you I'm know, just I'm just right. saying to you, you don't accidentally get into Duke. You got to have the grades. You got to have the scores. Keep going. I'm making your point for you. Keep going. Right. I Yeah, I think just, you know, uh, by the way, I just quickly just wanted to edit something from earlier. I had no idea. And I know I'm going off on a tangent, but I just saw this in the screen behind me. LSU is apparently ranked number 15. I didn't realize LSU was ranked. Yeah, That's they're good. Shocking to me. That's than okay. I'm more shocked by that than Illinois being good. So <laughs> I take back what I was saying when I was okay. saying it doesn't matter anymore. They clearly it's a top 25 matchup. So I, I apologize. <laughs> I was I was assuming that they were still they're bad. six and exactly. two. They beat Ole Miss badly. They took a bye week. Alabama won big over Mississippi State. They took a bye week and we'll see what that game does. But back to 
back to, to Kyrie team. and back right. to the coverage of this. Yeah. And, so, and the coach has right. now thrown his hands up because I don't think he wants to be involved. Go ahead. No. And so, look, I don't think Kyrie is stupid. Uh, that doesn't mean that he's not wrong. And, uh, you know, I, I think he is somebody who is reckless. I don't think he's stupid. I think he's reckless. I think he has a general orientation toward, uh, you know, the establishment, I guess you could call it, that makes him want to point out all the ways where, oh, it's actually a lie, or it's this, or it's that. And he does not have uh, a, a filter on what information he takes seriously or not. It's very easy to become a conspiratorial person mm-hmm. because you can start with a legitimate point. And if you don't have a quality filter, then that legitimate point opens you up to all sorts of other insane nonsense, right? Uh, and so maybe Kyrie started out with something like, I mean, when did all this begin? With the, it started with the flat earth stuff. I, mean, I don't mm-hmm. know. You know, I'm, I don't know where he kind of got into the, well, how can we trust this? And how can we know that? There's nothing wrong with wondering that. But what happens is you if you don't have a filter on that, you end up going to all these other places. Uh, and I think Kyrie probably needs to get a filter on the things that he believes before he ends up like Kanye West, although he's probably most of the way there already. Uh, as far as the coverage goes, you know, like I said, I do find like, you know, it's just way too easy for people to call black black men stupid. It's just amazing to me. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, it's not just Kyrie. It's easy to say, well, Kyrie has objectionable views, but, you know, you see this, see this with LeBron too. You know, you see it with everybody. And again, it's not even just coming from racists or whatever. I mean, sometimes it's coming from Kareem, you know, and I, I just, to me, I feel like there's got to be a way to say that somebody is wrong or misguided without saying they're stupid. Uh, and beyond anything else, uh, I think, based on everything that's happened since June 16th, 2015, I'm pretty sure that calling someone stupid does not actually dissuade them from doing whatever it is they want to do. Uh, So, you know, uh, I just wanted to point that out. I I find that to be very, uh, uh, very obnoxious. Let's be clear on one point, because I want to make sure that you're clear on this point. He's endorsing something with anti-Semitic anti-Semitic views. Absolutely. that's, That's big trouble. That's big and, trouble to the millions that oh, are Jewish, absolutely. that are fans. I mean, there were fans sitting in the front row yeah. of the game that uh, were Brooklyn Net fans, presumably, that had paid big money for courtside tickets to let to let him know, hate's got no part in this. Right. And it's just interesting. I watched some of the coverage, speaking of the coverage, last night about that. I listened and watched to the Boomer and Geo morning show on WFAN in New York, and it's simulcast on CBS Sports Network. Greg Giannata and Boomer Esiason uh, were on that show. They talked about this for about 45 straight minutes. They took a couple calls, but it was mainly them. And Geo was the one that was, uh, I, I think, banging the drum metaphorically more than anything on where are the nets on suspending the guy? All right, again, they're in the local market. Why, why do you not sit him down for a couple of games and say this is wrong? Where is the league on right. making some kind yeah. of statement about this? Where yeah. is Adam Silver, who is Jewish, making right, some of kind of statement on behalf of the league that you cannot be endorsing this kind of thing? They were. It was just interesting watching the New York perspective. They were befuddled. Right. Why? And now you add to it that Nash is not the coach anymore because he says, I'm good. I, give me my parachute. I'm out on that. Well, So your thoughts on that real quick? The reality of the matter is these leagues have collective bargaining agreements, you know, and everyone always wants the league to just act unilaterally against people who have done or said something objectionable, but they all have CBAs. And, you know, this is where commissioners get into trouble. This is where Roger Goodell got into trouble, right? You have a collectively bargained set of punishments for every possible action that includes words, that includes what Deshaun Watson did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes that limits your ability. I'm quite sure Adam Silver is disgusted by Kyrie. But it doesn't North. limit your ability to make a statement of disgust, like what those guys were talking about in New York Fair and what enough. we're talking about now. And he, now he may do that later today right. uh, as we, as we tape this podcast and release it on Wednesday, but he hasn't done it right. yet. 
And that's, that's kind of true. what they were talking about. That's true. And, you know, you could just easily condemn him in stronger terms. I'll tell you what Boomer Esiason said, and he's a former player, and he was a powerful player in the NFL and was and was a big part of, uh, of success in the 90s. He said the players run that league, and this is once again an example where the players do what they want, and the commissioner in certain instances is just going to not say anything and do the anything. Players- yeah, but that's not true, though. The players don't run the league. Because, his comment, his right, exact comment was the players right. run that league. Right. And but that's Boomer I'll, saying. I'll put it this way. The players may run the league in terms of the public face, in terms of, you know, but the people who run the league are the owners who nobody I know you mean. I know you mean practically, in actuality. Well, not even, yeah, practically. And, and, and look, the reality of the matter is that it, if the owners really cared about any of this and uh, I, I'm going to take a wild guess that out of a bunch of billionaires who have never been accountable to anybody in their lives, there's probably a couple of anti-Semites in there, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so if the owners really cared about any of this, you know, they, you know, they do something about it. They can get what they want in collective bargaining. They've run roughshod over the players before, and there's a new deal coming up. Uh, and if the owners decide we want as part of this deal, the ability to fine and suspend players for, you know, offensive comments and morals clauses, they can put that in there but they're probably going to be more focused on making sure that they are. I would be surprised that that's not in there already in recent ones. Cause it's in there. It's in there, I believe in the NFL and they've even acted on it on, on mm. certain things, but yeah, d- player conduct, player conduct has been right. more prevalent in the NFL. Well, player I think conduct away from the, the field. I can't the imagine field. that there is one because then the league would have already taken action. You're talking uh, about I, the NBA currently. Yeah. Right? I mean, I can't imagine that there is something, in the collective bargaining agreement that allows the league, not the team, but the league to find and suspend a player for something that they've said. But then again, Anthony Edwards, when he made, uh, he made a, a joke that uh, was dismissive, dismissive and derisive of gay people. Mm-hmm. And I believe the league might have suspended or not suspended, but they might have fined him. Let me see. You'll that have to was, look into that while we look at this. But again, under player conduct, you have a broader yeah, thing. And he was actually, put, you're right. He was, he was fined $40,000 for offensive language. Interesting. And clearly so, the league may be waiting for the nets to do something. Right. Let's, let's bring it next level. And we'll wrap this up in a couple of more minutes. Mm-hmm. Is Kevin Durant going to maybe put his foot down uh, here in this situation and say once and for all, Right. Either you deal with him or trade me. Let's go back to the trade talks. Trade me. Get me out of here. What well, do you think? I, don't, I don't think Kevin Durant. I mean, Durant might not think what Kyrie said is, or said is offensive. He might, you know, I think there's a lot more. I mean, let's be real. The, we've we've uh, as a country allowed anti-Semitic sentiment to fester for quite a while. And uh, the reality of the matter is that anti-Semitism has not in this country carried the same penalty as racism against black and brown people, certainly not in the post-George Floyd era where anti-Semitism, I mean, if you see some of the university circumstances where, you know, some of the progressive student groups, because of their opposition to what's going on vis-a-vis Israel and Palestine, have at times done things that are not good on that front in terms of anti-Semitism. I mean, this, every college in the country has had people going out uh, damaging menorahs. Well, I shouldn't say every college in the country because I'm extrapolating from U of I, which did have that happen a couple of years ago where somebody damaged a menorah outside of the- So people know and understand you mean the University of Illinois where you are, that's what you're talking about. Yeah, so I mean, I'm extrapolating from that because when it happens that in that proximity, you're like, well, if it happened here, it's gotta happen everywhere. But I, I do believe there is much more acceptance of anti-Semitism, unfortunately, in the country than there is of anti-Black racism. But it shouldn't be that way. And that's no, what the not. Jewish that's what the Jewish fan base is saying. Jewish people are saying it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be tolerated. Let's bring it back to the basketball component. And this is interesting on the coverage. I have to believe that Kevin Durant, I don't know him, I don't talk to him, he doesn't confine me. He's got to be over this because this has been an ongoing yeah. divisive thing for them behind the scenes. How much more of this from the vaccination problems last year to uh, the the on-court problems uh, of, of teamwork, cohesiveness? He wanted out already from this situation. Yeah. Doesn't this make him want to either say, either get, get rid of this or I need to be gone? 
Your take? I don't know. I, I, I just really don't know that Durant is upset with Kyrie. I just don't know that he is because he chose to go there with Kyrie. Kyrie's the guy he wanted there. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I mean, and I don't know what Kevin Durant's views are. Like I said, you know, the, I, the Kyrie's views are not as well. One, you know, you can be technical and, and be really technical and say, well, we don't know that Kyrie's an anti-Semite. You know, do I think he's actually watched that movie? It would not shock me in the slightest if he hasn't. Um, but you know, let's uh, let's presume that Kyrie is. He wouldn't be the only person in the league. We know that we've seen athletes express these views before. I don't know that I'm not casting any aspersions on Durant, but like I have no idea anything about this dude at all. I don't know anything about his character, what kind of a person he is, what his beliefs are. So, you know, I mean, I can't, I, I, I'm not confident saying that Durant's fed up with Kyrie. I mean, he brought Kyrie there. They, they chose to go there themselves. And it's been a mess. Yeah. And he wanted to be traded in the offseason. I'm not revealing That's nuclear true. secrets. That's true. He wanted That's out. True. So we'll see where it goes from there in the coverage of it. And, and I don't think this is the last chapter. But Steve Nash had enough. So he's gone. Um, he'll go back to uh, be Turner's soccer analyst, right? <laughs> or get another coaching job. All NBA coaches seem like they get three or four more jobs after they're let go from whatever situation they're in. They just all get recycled and rehashed uh let's finish it up here on the podcast love it or leave it a couple of things we talked college football before big 12 their their rights deal it's not official official but it's supposedly a massive increase for them to remain with espn and fox it is a deal that does better than the acc deal right now in terms of payouts I think they got to be loving that. John, what do you make of this for the Big 12 conference that it, it's it's key to their survival right now, this kind of yeah. TV money? Well, I was going to say it's life-saving because now you put away those questions of your viability going forward. They've got some interesting schools joining them. It's not, you know, James Madison. You know what I mean? No offense to James Madison, but they're getting right. BYU. They're getting UCF. I mean, those are teams that... Houston, major yeah, market. Yeah, those are Cincinnati. not bad. It's not Texas and Oklahoma, but it's enough to get by. Uh, and uh, you'll, they'll still be relevant. So the reality of the matter is, uh, especially with Texas and Oklahoma leaving, to be able to increase your rights fee is a tremendous, tremendous benefit. I think they're going to do well. Uh, and, uh, you know, for those schools we were mentioning, like UCF, Cincinnati and Houston, that it's going to it's going to basically be quadruple yeah. their revenue for those individual schools. So it is a huge, huge windfall for them, a win and a windfall for them. Yeah, you know, App State's got to be. What we're, we're, we're conference? They're in the Sun Belt. They're, they've got to be. They're in the Sun Belt, and the Sun Belt stock, by the way, is going up. But they're not yeah. going to get those kind of TV deals because they don't have enough big markets between Louisiana, Lafayette, and. They've uh, got to be in the mix, though, to be you know South Alabama, kind of kind of like UCF, where UCF didn't have a brand, but they were there consistently right. until they. You're had saying one. to move up to another conference? Yeah, I mean, App State to me is not at Power Five level and they probably don't have the resources yet but give it you know 10 to 15 years if they can continue ucf to- was 0 and 12 i believe in the 2015 season and it came back around they got really good at the right time conference realignment started and there you have it in cincinnati was a college football playoff program last year it made them attractive as well houston right. has got tremendous football attention university of houston that we're talking about Yep. So it helps the Big 12 and their credibility. Let's uh, let's go to another subject. Love it or leave it. As I mentioned, I love these stories because sometimes I have to run around in the middle of the night and uh, and make it to an airplane, make it to a game, mm-hmm. etc. So Sean Grandy again will tell this story yeah. more to Mike and Phil about how he got from Milan, Italy to a Boston Celtics broadcast transcontinental in the same day, working two different games, two different countries, two different continents. Uh, to be able to figure that out. Uh, He was not alone. Love this. Joe Tessitore was doing the Notre Dame-Syracuse game with Greg McElroy, the ABC. I believe it was ABC, but it might have also been on ESPN. The ABC-ESPN-Notre Dame-Syracuse broadcast. Tessitore then, as he described it, got in a vehicle and got from Syracuse to Madison Square Garden to call boxing Mm. on ESPN Plus Saturday night. The Vasily Lomachenko, same night. Jermaine Ortiz fight at Madison Square Garden. He was on the call for the main event. Had about probably six or seven hours to get from Syracuse to the Garden. Mm. Call the fight at at New York's uh, 
Madison Square Garden Hulu Theater. So there's a double. I love yeah. this. I love whenever I hear these stories and good on Joe Tessitore that he did two big events. Notre Dame's win over Syracuse and then a boxing event. Obviously, he is the the voice of ESPN and top ranks boxing shows. So they made it work there. A double, yeah. a double for him. It's it happens more than you realize, especially oh, yeah. on college football Saturdays and NFL Sundays right now on being able to get to two games at once, depending on what you do and uh, and what you broadcast. So, hey, I mean, if you're willing to do it, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know how I feel about uh, overwork, uh, but, you know, hey, you just got to just gotta go do what you got to an- do. Another example that's been given to me, and this happened in the last two or three years, Kevin Ray, a colleague of mine that works mm-hmm. for Compass Media Networks. Kevin does the Dallas Cowboy broadcast with Danny White that are mm-hmm. on Compass Media Networks, Dallas Cowboys coverage. That's outside of the Cowboy footprint in Texas. It goes elsewhere all over the country. Kevin is also the TV voice of the Phoenix Suns. Yep. He's been an icon in the in the Phoenix market for 25 years. Kevin and I know each other going back to the mid-1990s. Kevin did a Dallas Cowboy early game one year and did a Phoenix Suns late night, yes. Sunday night game in the same day in Phoenix. He got from Dallas, wow. home game for the Cowboys, to the airport, to Phoenix, and did the Suns broadcast that night so it does it it happens a bunch where you're scrambling and you're trying to do both for the football and the hustle and the and the check yeah well good for good for them i know ernie johnson he would be at wimbledon many years ago turner had wimbledon and he would host wimbledon and then he'd fly to new york and do the nba draft because turner had the nba draft back then too then he'd fly right back to wimbledon so you know it's just i mean personally i haven't been on an international flight since 1995 but yeah. <laughs> I am ha- about to be on an international flight to Germany next week. Oh, wow. That's uh, true. To to do that. And I, I will point out that our own uh, Hall of Fame voice, Gene Deckerhoff, was working a Florida State game uh, in the ACC and had to get on a private plane and get to Atlanta and get to the Buccaneer matchup with the Chicago Bears back in 2011. And he made the plane. He got on a private plane from Tallahassee made the plane, the commercial flight in Atlanta, landed in England about two, two and a half hours before the Buccaneers game with the Chicago Bears. He was transcontinental the other direction besides Sean Grandy going Italy back to the United States to uh, to work a Boston Celtic game. So just part of the travel yeah. for announcers and and the media and the things that we do and uh, and go through. Okay, one more, one more before we're done. Love it or leave it. Best, I'm hitting you with this off the cuff, Halloween costume that came to your door or, or was there one that stood out above uh, the rest? I mean, I had my slew of superheroes and princesses walking around the neighborhood. Uh, there was a, a dinosaur. Somebody had the inflatable uh, dinosaur. Was there one that stood out? Did you have a good costume that came to the door? Anything good? Honest, honest and true. I didn't even notice any. I was just like, okay, let me make sure they get enough candy, you know. And yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think there was a Spider Man. I think there okay. was one. Um, you know, I didn't. I really didn't, didn't really pay that close of attention. No, no. Uh, I I do know there was a boxer that came to the ring in Arizona dressed as one of the minions, the fighter. He had the minion uh, uh, headgear on for the mascot, had the overalls, had the whole thing. He came to the ring as a minion. So some of the costumes were good. Tom Brady put it on social media. He was out trick-or-treating with his kids on Monday night, and he looked like he called it the Grim Reaper. He looked like a bad villain from a sci-fi. You mean the guy who's out there on the field with him every week? Well, yeah, well, maybe he is the maybe he is the Grim Reaper right now. But what yeah. the uh, the standing on the Buck sideline? <laughs> yeah, that kind of like me. Uh, yeah. So in any event, uh, uh, Halloween was a success. Uh, everybody came. They saw. They got plenty of candy. They did well. We love that on Love It or Leave It. Anything else in closing before we are done here, John Lewis, on on what has been another busy week with the World Series to unfold this week? It's a big time college football. The NFL continuing on. Anything else? Well, I would just say, you know, just to go back, I, I truly don't believe that Kyrie Irving is stupid. I, I think he needs to do himself a favor and not be so gullible. And I think there's a difference between being stupid and being gullible. I think what happens is sometimes when you get into those conspiracy zones and you are questioning things, there's nothing wrong with questioning things. You know, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, you did your own research. How dare you? 
you know, look things up, figure out what you want to figure out. Mm -hmm. But the same way that you don't trust the mainstream media, don't blindly trust some random lunatic with an Amazon documentary, right? I guess that's kind of, that's kind of the thing that just doesn't get me. I totally understand not trusting official sources. What I don't understand is it's kind of like when COVID hit, right? And there was a lot of stuff being said that to me was just, I don't know if I trust this model or that model. And at that time, there was nobody in the mainstream who was, you know, calling anything into question, like any model projection was automatically true. This model says 15 million people are going to die next week. Mm, like, right. And the literally the only person who was saying anything to question anything was someone named Alex Berenson. And what happens is when that's like the only other source, people will gravitate to that, whether or not that person is legitimate, whether or not that person knows what they're talking about. And it's really, really important that when you question the official sources, you don't automatically believe the first person you hear who's saying anything different, because that is where you end up in those fever swamps, right? I mean, I mean, I don't know how that happened with Kyrie, but you know, well, we have to make room for the yeah. possibility that he loves to stir it up and loves the attention from stirring that's it true. up. That's true. That's another. True. That's a, that's another thing that he's constantly done. It's tough to argue otherwise that he loves to stir it up and loves the attention from stirring it up. As much yeah. as he was getting on the guy about now, you're going to go post this clip on your Instagram and make yourself famous. It was almost like he was encouraging him. Go, go yeah. put it on Instagram. Go make us both famous. That's kind of how I took yeah. that. Watching and, you that. know, that is another element of it. I mean, it might just be the case that Kyrie's not stupid, but that he's just not a very good dude. Like, has anyone ever thought about that? Maybe he or he enjoys the attention. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a reason why uh, the LeBron factor there that that again, this yeah. is where I go back to Kevin Durant of at what point do you throw your hands up once yeah. and for all? I again say he wanted to be traded in the offseason. He was demanding a trade. And I think you could come right back around here soon to him saying, get me out of here. Get me to another situation. Right. Accommodate yeah. me. Find the best find the best dance partner. You make know, a deal and get me out of here. We'll see. Kyrie, Kyrie asked for a trade from Cleveland and got it. And LeBron still got to the finals without him. And his second best player was like Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, look, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think you don't want to end up like Kanye. That's all. You don't want to end up in that zone. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I just think it's, it's there is a conspiratorial element. If you've ever seen the movie Undercover Brother with Eddie Griffin, you ever saw mm-hmm. that one? You did yes. see it? Yes. And yeah, there was a conspiracy brother in that. And Correct. I, well, uh, I enjoy a good conspiracy as much as anybody, but I understand yeah. what you're saying. You got to yeah. be rational enough mm-hmm. to understand that you can go so deep into these things right. that you now start to believe all of it, every which direction. You become, in your quest to not be gullible, you become gullible, right? And, you know, I think that's a problem. All right. So anyway, uh, we have concluded things. Anything else? We've recovered the smart versus stupid. We're anxious to see what the World Series does or doesn't do. Football continues. Um, Other than that, we're good. Well, I just want to apologize to LSU one more time. I, I genuinely had no clue they were good. I, I guess I'm not following the sport as closely as they I They could should. very well beat Alabama in this yeah. game Saturday. That's part I mean, of the I, intrigue. And I think, I, thought, it, I, think it, I will be stunned if it's not a close game. If it's if it's an Alabama blowout, that's stunning. And I don't think it will I be. truly would. If you had told me they were winless and unranked, uh, I would have believed that. I, 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 I still think that that coach with the old voice, I should probably know his name. You know, the voice. Ed Orgeron. Ed Orgeron. That sounded, like, Orgeron, that, that right, sounded like yeah. the cookie monster. Yeah, yes. I, I, my, my thought is he's still coaching. It, it's still 2021. It, yeah, but it's honestly, for me, for, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, the family guy. Hey, he's the family guy. <laughs> He'll tell you all the things that make you laugh and cry, right? With a but, southern accent. Yeah. South Boston. On that note, I think we are good. We'll see what happens with all the ratings. John, thank you as always. We encourage people to uh, read and to see everything more on sportsmediawatch.com. Thank you, sir. No problem. Thank you. And we thank you for listening to us as well. Again, follow, subscribe, find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify each week with the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. George Offman, tell me a story I don't know on this podcast feed as well. Phil and Mike with announcer schedules the podcast. You get it all right here on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast feed. Bye.
sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.